Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? You already know what it is. Back with another episode. This is Equip the Podcast. You know the saying, stay ready so you have to get ready. And I hope everyone is having a great day, evening, noon, night, whenever you're listening to, whether you're listening to it on Apple or, or Spotify, or if you're watching on YouTube, um, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. And let me tell you, we got a dope episode today. And I got two very, very special guests joining me today. For this important topic and this is episode 80 um but real quickly let me introduce my guests and let them say a little bit about themselves before we get started so you know we're gonna go with my brother here john hill first um just you know just say a little spiel about you know who you are you know what you do and things like that you know just something, something a little quick you know for people kind of yeah to yeah yeah so no doubt. Um, but first, I just want to say with that intro, like I felt like I just wanted to spit a couple bars to that. You know what I'm saying? Um, yo, that John was hot. But um, yeah, my name's Ja Hill, uh, last name Richards. Um, I'm a church planner right now. Um, um, I actually uh, helped to plant a church in Southeast D.C. And then the Lord led me to um, revitalize a church in Shreveport, Louisiana. And now my family and I are getting ready to um, plan another church in um, Minneapolis, specifically the North Side. Um, man, my wife is, her name is Ka. Uh, she's my best friend and um, greatest ministry partner. And we have five kids. And uh, we, we just moved to Minneapolis, so we got a lot going on. Um, just looking forward to diving into our context but it's such a privilege just to be on this podcast. Um, you know, just appreciate Lucia and, um, you know, appreciate you, Ivan, and just looking forward to how the Lord continues to knit our hearts together. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yes, Lucia. Next up, tell some people about yourself real quick. So my name is Lucia, and I am um, based in the Bay Area, born and raised, actually. So this is where I've spent most of my life. And uh, I work in human resources, so not a pastor by trade, but I am studying to get my MDiv. So it's okay. been a, a really rewarding experience. Love the church, love the Bible, love Jesus, um, and excited to, to be here and talking about this topic. Um, my family is not the size of Jahil's. I do not have five <laughs> kids, <laughs> but um, my husband, John, and I have one daughter, and she just turned one last weekend. Awesome. Awesome. Hey. <laughs> I'll be there eventually. We all too. I'll be there eventually. <laughs> the marriage part is coming really soon. You know, almost 30 days away. So um Yeah, all, yeah. All fun stuff, you know, getting ready for like and things like that and finding place to live and all that, you know, all that fun stuff. But I'm looking forward to it. Especially with the Vikings here and all the preparations over. I'll be very happy. Very, very happy. That's exciting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Goals is really yeah. goals to be like y'all very soon. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a good topic for y'all today. So definitely listen up. Um, so this is episode eighty, and the topic mm. today is is the Bible for Black people. Mm. Is mm. the Bible for Black people? And I feel like this is a very pivotal question in our culture, in our community, because I mean, let's be honest especially how the country was formed. You know, we're, not, we're all aware of transatlantic slavery. We're all aware of how, 
white European Christians use Christianity, how they devalue black people, and systems that were created because of that. You know, we got yeah. slavery, Jim Crow, you know, segregation. We got we got all mass incarceration. We got all these systems. So when you look at it, you wonder like, okay, this came from Christianity. All we see is white people. There's always, you know, white imagery of what Christianity actually is. Like, is it actually for black people? Right. Like, that's the real question, you know? And we, you know, at least speaking for myself, we, I mean, I thought about that once upon a time. I'm pretty sure y'all might, both might have as well. So this is a pivotal question and really answer that we need to, you know, really discuss. Because is the Bible actually for black people? Does it actually care about black people? Um, is it really... A religion only for white people or you know like these, these are important conversations to actually have and questions that a lot of black people still have and still battling and still working through so you know today i mean obviously this type of topic it could be multiple podcast episodes for this you know obviously no the end all be all but i feel like this is a good way to start the conversation with going straight at the topic so we have you know, three questions that we believe are important to really start the conversation. And we're pretty much going to go by each of the questions. You know, we're all going to talk, conversate, discuss it, and things like that, you know. And we're really going to get right into it. So mm -hmm. the first question to bring up is, why is it important to understand, you know, who we are mm. as people? Like, why is that actually important? But I think that, I mean, because when you think about it, identity is a huge reason why. When we're always told that we're inferior in many different ways, or if you look at history, we've always been told of that we're inferior or not equal and things like that. Then you start doing the question, who are we really? You know, if you're if you're um if your ancestors were part of the you know transatlantic slave trade, like we know we're African descent, but we don't know where. Like we go to Africa, they don't know us. We're not African, you know what I mean? And then here in America, we already know what the story with that. So it's like, who are we actually? Right. So, Lucia, can you start us off with that, with the first question? Um, you know, just answering it, like, who, why is it important to understand, like, who we are? Who you are or who you believe you are shapes everything about your life. It shapes how you behave. It shapes what you can expect of yourself. It shapes how you value you, yourself, and maybe people who remind you of yourself. And so when when that is off, when it's not accurate, we start to see the world in a way that's distorted and we can start to see ourselves in a way where we are, we are less than how we're created. We're less than who we are. And so it, without that piece, uh, we, we can set ourselves up for some heartbreak and it can be discouraging. It can be sad. And, and when you do know who you are and you have that, that confidence, it really empowers you to do so many amazing things in the world. Good, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Brother John Hill, what you what you what you think, brother? Yeah, well, I just want to start off by saying it was just yesterday, me and my family, we were just driving around the block, specifically in the area that we're about to move into. And we like, man, we we just got finished drinking like a whole bunch of soda, um, because we just got finished eating Chick-fil-A. So we got big, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Chick-fil-A, large drinks. Um, so, yo, we had to use the bathroom, right? So um, so we're driving around, and I'm just like, man, where are we going to use the bathroom? So we we passed this church, and I see a dude walking out, 
And I'm just like, hey, can I introduce myself? And I'm like, yo, can I use the bathroom in here? <laughs> um, so we pull into the parking lot and he's just like, sure. So I get out the car and then my son gets out the car and he says, I gotta go too, dad. And then my other son gets out the car and says, yo, I gotta go too. So um, we start walking into the building and the guy says to me, hey, listen, um, the bathroom's upstairs. I just wanna let you know that there's a lot of guys up there, right? Um, so we go up there and there's a group of guys, uh, you know, probably 18 to 20, you know what I'm saying? Within that age category. Um, but yeah, you know, we walk past them, we use the bathroom, I interact with some of them. Um, one of them ends up saying out of his mouth, um, I got shot and I'm still alive. Like he's rapping, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but I start talking to uh, just a brother who was kind of the mentor of the program. And he started sharing with me that all of those guys, um, all black men, um, how they were all in that group because they're all on probation. Sure. And he was basically saying that they have to do like 30 sessions and they talk through life skills and just all these different things. But I bring that up because I wonder um, if they know who they are, you know, um, or has uh, Little Dirk defined uh, who they are? Has NBA Youngboy defined who they are? Has society defined who they are based upon what they have told them who they are? You know what I'm saying? And I wonder what their mindset is, right? But when it comes to understanding who we are, it's so important because we need to start by understanding, first of all, that um, we are individuals who have been created in the image of God, right? Um, and because we have been created in the image of God, um, there's value, um, there's dignity, right? There's significance, like, um, you know, there's, there's hidden treasure even inside of us because God has given us unique gifts. Uh, so I, I just, I walked out of there just saying like, man, I, I wonder if they know that uh, the king of the universe, right, created them for greatness, but society and so many others have probably, uh, you know, basically set the tone for them of who they think they are, but that's not who they are. So it's just important that we understand who we are because what we believe is going to determine how we act and what we believe is also going to determine what we do and what we believe about ourselves is going to determine the way that we live our lives. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And honestly, just to piggyback off what you said, um, society really does determine, like society and how you grow up, your background, economically, all those things like that's around you that really can build your 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 mind your mind frame to seeing who you are. So Indeed. you know, so you're in an area where your neighborhood is broke down. You're in an area where there's food spots, litter spots, poverty. That's already you're already building an image of, of, of like, OK, that's who I am. This I'm just someone from poverty. I'm someone who from this type of neighborhood, things like that. Or if you're someone who lives in a more upscale family, got more money, things like that. You already have the mind frame. But OK, this is who I am. I, I come from this type of, of, of standard. So if you're in a household where even despite of economically or color or stuff that's going around you, society and, your, and that's going to develop you. That's going to tell you who you actually are. And then on top of that, you have the rest of the society, the rest of the world. What you see on TV, what's being pushed out there by the media, things like that is already telling you who you are, right? And then even history, 
is showing us like who we actually are. Like in school, you know, you're thinking, oh, black, you just learn about black people being slaves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Civil War, and then now slavery's over type of thing. And then, you, you know, like you don't really, that's already building a mind frame of like, dang, now I come from poverty, my people with slaves here type stuff. And like, that's already building a mind frame of you knowing who you are. And yeah. I think that's, yeah. you know, just piggybacking on what both of you are saying, it's really important to know who you are because that's going to de- like define you. Because if you're not in a household where parents are establishing the ethics, the moral, the foundation, which sometimes is even hard for your, even your parents because they don't even know who they are. You know, think about that. Like, they don't know who they are. So they're going to raise you almost in the same principle. They're going to n- try to raise you as best they possibly could. But even if they don't know who they are and it's a generational type thing, um, it just trickles down. And then that's when you're influenced by the rappers, you know, because they got the money and stuff like that. Or the athletes because they got the money and stuff like that. And that really does a lot to a psyche. And right. You know, they don't have that relationship with Christ or that foundation with Christ that despite of your area and things that you live with, that's where your identity is at. Um, that's where you, I think you get where, where you get at. And like, do you also think too as well, like, um, oh crap, I had, I had it in my head for a second. Dang, I can't remember. Oh, I was about to say, um, oh, dang. But Ivan, what you're saying, like, it really hits to, like, it, it hits it hits in an area, right, because it makes us also understand why there's so many individuals that are seeking to understand who they are, right? So it's Black people, like, everybody, it's not just Black people, but everybody wants to know who they are. But I'm speaking specifically um, just for us, like, because there's this desire for us to know who we are, we're going to gravitate to, you know, um, whether it's the Hebrew Israelites or, um, you know, other religions, you know what I'm saying? If they're affirming us and saying good things about who we are, right? Um, so so if you got, you know, the brother on the block who's a Hebrew Israelite saying, what's up, King? You know what I'm saying? And okay. you're hearing like, King, but you've been told, you know, most of your life that you're not this or that, but he's now calling you King. Like, that's a big draw, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But I think just as people in the church, we need to make sure that we're helping people to understand who they are. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, not just people created in the image of God, but people who've been created with great potential, um, who can really do amazing things in society and really bring change to their communities. So um, we got we to gotta really help people understand who they are. But the only way we're going to understand um, who we are and help under, other people to understand who they are is if we go to the foundation um, who was God. That's right. Um, and I think there can be a tendency to think that just because we believe in Christ, because we love Jesus, that that's the only thing about us. Mm-hmm. And while that's the most important thing about us, at the same time, God created each of us so uniquely, so individually. Sometimes people will say, well, how come you identify yourself as a Black Christian? You know, how, how come you're not just Christian? Mm-hmm. And my answer to that is, you can ask God, because this is how he made me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, no one ever has asked me, how come you identify yourself as a, as a daughter of God and not a child of God? There are all these things about myself that, that are important and shape how I see the world and shape um, how I reflect his image. And I think that 
if we are believing that there's parts of how we were made that are wrong or maybe things that we should be ashamed of or um, not seek to understand how it reflects God's image, I think we can really miss out on everything he has for us. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree. And even like, even piggyback off of you, Lucia, when you're talking about like, when you're saying the, the color or the race over the Christian part, it's only sad because, you know, realistically, it shouldn't even be that way. Like, you know, you could just say you're a Christian and I'm just from this area. Like I'm, you know, from Africa or I'm from, you know, I'm from Egypt or I'm, you know, from this area. But it's like, because of how Christianity was represented, because of how black people weren't seen to eat, at one point, you, you, you couldn't even be a Christian when you were black when it, when early in the slave trade because we we're savages and things like that. And then when you allowed us to be, it was only for control reasons not really because we are made in the image of God. So it's like once black people actually knew what the Bible says about us and used that for liberation, now it's like, okay, we're still not invited to these areas, these circles. So now we have to have a black church because other churches won't accept us. And I feel like it's, just right. like, it's a sad thing because in, in reality, black, white, green, orange church of the people in it, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? In reality, it doesn't really matter, but it's just sad because it got to the point where we have to identify ourselves as the black, the black church, the white church, you know, the Puerto Rican church, Armenian church. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it got to a point where it's like we have to because not only because this is just our area and tradition and we just like to do it this way. You know what I mean? But it was like we have to do it because we were not accepted over here. You know what I mean? I think that was like, you know, the two like the like the big difference on it. It's kind of like sad when you think about it in a way sometimes where it's like dang, we got to be the black church because. The so-called white church don't really accept us for us being black, or if they do accept us, we have to do exactly what they do, or we're going to be outcasted. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that's not, I guess, the unfortunate reality when it comes, you know, when it comes to that. Um, mm-hmm. But then, okay, I like. All right, let's shoot. Let's bounce to the next one. All right, let's bounce to the next one. So um, now, I guess, really, the, this is a really interesting question because this go many different ways. Um, so. Why have we? Why have we been treated in this way? Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess further to explain the question, I guess is because you know in the black community when they view Christianity, you know it's, it's, it it was used as a tool, right, to help mind control, right? Or you had white people use Christianity for their racist reasons, right? Which involved us being enslaved and then you know segregated and then controlled and things like that and it's like okay like why does it seem like where we're treated in this type of way why does it seem like you know because the main thing when it comes to like you like a group you brought up like the hebrew israelites that's the one of their main pools is the israelites they were you know they disobeyed god so now they're cursed and look at these curses in deuteronomy 28 see it lines up with us because look oh look oh it kind of reminds us of us because you can look around and, t- and see and tell that it seems like when it comes to black people in this country, obviously many different races were enslaved. But when you look at black people in a way, a lot of it had to do because the way we look and how we were seen okay. as inferior and things like that. So it does bring to a question is like, why does it seem like we are treated this way? Like why? You know what I mean? So brother John Hill pop us off with that one. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, just from the foundations of America, um, Black people have been treated as inferior and 
even dehumanized in a lot of ways, ways which is just really sad. And that's the result of sin, right? Mm -hmm. um, because of sin, uh, we live in a broken world mm -hmm. and sin has not just corrupted the world, but sin has also corrupted hearts. And because sin has corrupted hearts, it causes people to do sinful things against others, right? So that manifests itself in different ways, whether it's slavery, racism, oppression, um, or other ways. I mean, uh, sin has a way of manifesting itself in violent, evil, and disgusting ways. And um, I think when you then add uh, trying to cover up that sin with religiosity, right, um, and religious ways, um, it makes it even uh, more disgusting, right? So um, I think it's terrible when you look at history and you see people like Jonathan Edwards, who people have esteemed really, really high. And I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from Jonathan Edwards. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of people have dismissed the fact that he's owned slaves. And um, people have basically held up this man as being one of the greatest theologians who also enslaved black people. And if you ask me, that's crazy that we can hold a theologian so high, um, but dismiss something like owning people. Um, same thing with George Whitfield or the Puritans. Like we have esteemed those individuals as being some of the greatest preachers and men of God, but these were people who owned people, who owned black people. And I'm thankful that at times there's been individuals who have called those things out, but I don't feel like we've done it enough to um, just uh, renounce just that type of wickedness. And um, as a result, it has, you know, kind of tainted people's view of what Christianity is, right? Um, because nobody wants to be a part of a religion um, that is known for oppressing people. But we know that the Bible is not known for oppressing people. The Bible is known for liberating people. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, when, when Jesus started his ministry, he said, hey, I came to bring good news. Um, and I, I came to preach to the poor and set the captives free. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I just feel like um, there's just a distorted gospel. But um, the reason why uh, it's distorted in so many people's eyes. It's just because there's been a lot of racist um, things that have not been called out or addressed. And um, people need to see the purity of the gospel, a gospel that not um, a gospel that doesn't oppress, but a gospel that liberates. And that's the real gospel um, that we're called to preach, proclaim and live out. Mm -hmm. OK, good, good. Okay. I agree with all that. Uh, what do you think, Lucia? I think it. The stories that we tell are important. And so often I think there's a, a wrong story that can be told because it's easier. Maybe it's a little more palatable. This idea that, oh, people were just different. And some people were like sin and some people were dark skin. And, and they just didn't, we just didn't know what to do with the dark skin people. So because of the differences, we treated people differently. And that's where slavery came from. And that, that's not the story at all. Slavery came from people who wanted to make a profit, who knew that they wanted to enslave a group of people because they could, because there were a lot of them, and looked for a reason to justify it. Mm -hmm. And they found 
race, or they, I shouldn't even say they found race, they invented race yep. as a way to justify it. And then they went and cherry picked through the Bible um, certain individual pieces that they could twist and turn and make it sound like it backed up they were doing with what they were doing without really looking at all of the holistic story of, of God who liberates people at every turn and stands up for the oppressed and wants justice. So when we tell this different story, we'll think, well, if all these bad things happen, maybe it's because of us, right? Our skin is the part of this story that caused these things to happen. And that's not true at all. It's, it's sin. It's the brokenness of the world, why we've experienced what we experienced. And, and when we look at it that way, when we understand that um, people in the Bible, like Paul, for instance, is telling people how to survive in a society that is set up to be hostile towards them, how to set, how to survive in a society where they are a persecuted minority, where they're not able to pass a law and change the way that life is conducted. Um, he's trying to keep people alive. He's trying to keep people in faith. He's trying to give people a sense of peace and, and control over the things that they can control. And so I think we should just be mindful of what that means now, you know, to look at a, a scripture and say servants that says servants obey your masters. <laughs> That's one letter from Paul. It's, you know, 2000 years ago, everything he's ever said, imagine if one of your work emails Someone pulled that 2,000 years from now and said, this is how Ivan, this is how Jahil feels about this expansive topic. I have this one line from his one work email from 2,000 years ago. It, it's insane, right? And if you if you look at, um, you know, I so my daughter's one, uh, so she's a little bit young for this, but I imagine when she's older, you know, when I'm teaching her to drive, I'll probably say something like, okay, if you get pulled over, put your hands on the wheel at 10 and two, you say, yes, officer, you say, no, officer. Mm -hmm. If they ask you to do something, you do it if it's within your ability and if it's legal and um, be respectful and come home. And someone could look at that and say, oh, look, she advocates for police officers could do whatever they want because uh, she told her daughter to do whatever they say. Exactly. Well, that's not really the full story. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, give her some tips that hopefully will will help her thrive and survive and maybe they will or maybe they won't or maybe she won't need it and that would be wonderful but I think it's important to realize that you know the bible this book is it's not a book of instructions it's not a manual that that you go and tells you what to do and you know what's right and I can you know pop in this one word and totally understand all the different nuances of it it's it's a story of people, it's history, it's song, it's, mm -hmm. it's music, it's letters, it's communication. And from that, it really tells a story about who God is and who we are to him. Amen. Amen. And honestly, y'all both hit it right on the head immediately when you brought up sin. Because ultimately, that's what it boils down to, is sin. Right? This happened to us because of sin. Just like the African people who allowed the Europeans to come there and do a business agreement to have their captives and let them take them. Sin. That's a part of it. Sin is a huge part of it. And I think we can overlook that. And granted, there's a lot of people who don't understand sin or don't look at it, obviously, the way we do. Because we're more in the faith and understand it. But sin is a huge part of it. And it's something that we are born into. 
is something that we all do. Like, and honestly, even with the translated slave trade, that's not the only violent thing that's ever happened in the world. True, indeed. You can name multiple different things, like multiple different things. You can name all the uh, the Muslim conquest, how violent they was, right? That's because of sin. You know, mm-hmm. we, already, we already know about um, what happened with, with Hitler and the Nazis. Sin, Genghis Khan, sin, like, you can be all day reporting stuff, right? The bottom line is, is sin falls into it, and that's because we all do it. We're all born into it. And guess what? It trickles down from their parents and their parents, and their environments and their environments, and it trickles down to because no one automatically is just born to just, you know, just say I'm automatically going to make a movement that's going to destroy a whole bunch of group of people. It doesn't happen just like that, but sin is the root of it. Like, Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes we got to think about it too, like what does the Bible actually say about racism? Right, because sometimes people like to say, "Oh, well, the Bible was they used the scripture verse to support blah blah blah." But what about actually what the Bible actually says about the thing you're claiming against it? What does it actually say? What about Deuteronomy one seventeen? You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear, y'all shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not fear man, for the judgment is God's. The case is too hard for you. You shall bring it to me, and I will hear it. You shall not show partiality, favoritism. Right, Leviticus nineteen one. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor and defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. First Timothy 1, right? I mean, I'm sorry, First Timothy 5, 21. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in spirit of partiality, right? Or James 2, 1. I'm not going to read the whole James, but I'm going to read the first half of it. My brother. Do not hold your faith in glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there are, are comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there and sit by my footstool. You know what I mean? You're not supposed to do that. And James also calls that mind frame evil evil right yeah. and romans 12 i mean 2 11 so god shows no favor and that's only a few verses you know you can literally go back and check the context on and see that this type of attitude sin in mind frame is evil and it's literally not the kingdom of god right yeah so and a lot of people too let me let me just say real quick too ivan like a lot of people think that Racism is not a gospel issue, right? Facts. But it's but it's clearly right. a gospel issue, mm-hmm. right? So this is the reason why I think individuals are okay with, um, again, esteeming people like a Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, um, you know, and Puritan, the Puritans, who God used, right? The Lord, the Lord did use them, but I think people are okay with esteeming individuals like that and not pointing out. Um, the fact that they own people, right? Because they don't see um, racism or slavery, you know, as a gospel issue, right? Um, because a lot of people think that the gospel only comes to save a person's soul, but we know that the gospel is more holistic. Like God cares about the whole person, right? So, um, you know, I mentioned those individuals like Jonathan Edwards and so forth. But praise God for uh, white brothers like John Newton, right? Who who was a 
a slave ship captain, but got transformed, repented of his sin, came out with the song Amazing Grace and felt terrible about what he did so much so to the point where he became abolitionist Mm -hmm. right? Um, because he felt like, hey, this is a gospel issue. Like we can't own people. Um, We got to make sure that we preach a gospel that not only reconciles us to God, but reconciles us to one another. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can't preach a broken cross. And, um, you know, you were mentioning different scripture references. Man, I'm reminded of when Paul rebuked uh, Peter publicly. Mm. Right. Mm. Because he separates Mm -hmm. himself from the Gentiles. Right. And he saw people, you know, coming up and he's like, man, I don't want these people to know that I'm associated with these Gentiles. Paul rebukes Peter publicly. And this is what he says. He says, I rebuked him to his face, paraphrasing it, because he was not walking in step with the gospel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So the gospel isn't just something we proclaim. The gospel is something that we live out. And part of the ways that we live it out is by living it out. Um, in a way that promotes justice and reconcili- reconciliation and equality. So, man, that's just a, a big deal to understand that the gospel comes and it makes things right, <laughs> right? It doesn't just make us right with God, but it promotes righteousness and a rightness among one another. Yep. And honestly, I'll even debate it is a soul issue if you think about it, because this type of mind frame and sin will affect your soul ultimately. And have you do actions where you're selling your selling your own people who have the same image of God? So I would still argue, even though they say it's not a soul issue, I would still argue that it is a soul issue because guess what? The actions and sin that we do do affect our soul. If it, if it, if you do it when you're unrepentant, when you have a bias towards it, when you're not listening to people who are letting you know about your bias, and you continue on this sinful path, it could affect your soul. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, right. You know what I mean? So, right. it's like, but I know what you're saying because there's tons of people in that camp that yeah 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 no 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 i'm just saying that some people only believe like the gospel just comes to save the soul and that's it so i don't so so i can preach the gospel to you you can stay in chains and all that like we we just need to be concerned about your soul being saved right that type of mindset is crazy right because to love your neighbor as yourself means that you wouldn't want to be in chains so why would you want your neighbor to be in chains? Yep. And imagine we use that same mind frame with other sins. It would literally sound crazy. Right. It reminds right. me of the verse that says, you know, if you see someone who's hungry and you just say, be well, go in peace. That's right. What good is that if you're not giving them something to eat? Um, it, it's a really a both and. Mm-hmm. And it's that's right. That's a James. That's a James. I'm actually preaching about that actually on Sunday. So, but yes, mm. exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. And you know what's interesting? Last thing I'll say is when these things are pointed out, like people have a problem with it, right? So I'm thinking of even a, a white preacher like Charles Spurgeon who preached against slavery mm-hmm. and he got death threats yep. as a result of it, right? Because like people have a problem when you preach against certain sins, um, uh, but they're okay if, you know, uh, in a sense, if they're promoting abortion, right? That's a, um, you know, or, or I'm sorry, speaking against abortion, right? That They would see that as a, 
uh, social justice um, thing that's worthy of doing, right? But right. if you um, start speaking against police brutality, <laughs> and that's like, oh no, no, that's not yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Um. Yep. <laughs> and like I said, we definitely that that's a huge that's a huge yeah. I said we can talk a lot about that all day too. Um. <laughs> so let's talk about the last question because I feel like the last question is. Probably the most important, because um, it really gets down to the crux of the problems with our community when it comes to Christianity. The problem of what they battle with, the battle, the the part of why they struggle with it is about their value. You know, the question is like, do we have value and dignity? Like, do we actually matter? Does God actually do care about black people? I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but there's a big reason to ask that question. Like, do we have dignity, right? Is it just, are we just supposed to just be a slave in our shackles and just be like, thank you, Jesus, right? Do we actually matter? Do black lives actually matter? Even though we ain't talking about the organization, but the the actual statement itself, Mm -hmm. right? Does a white white Jesus actually reflect who I am? Was it actually used to represent everybody? Um, those are real questions that black people have. Like they look at the Bible as like a pro, like a pro-slavery transatlantic slave book. That's how they look at it. They look at it as a book to compromise to the masters, the, your master. You know that's that's how they look and view the Bible. Um, and that's why different religious sects is so appealing because it's going against that. It's giving me value. You're calling me king. And things like that. If I'm part of like Hermeticism and things of that nature, uh, black Hebrew Israelites. Guess what? I am a chosen person of of God. Like I'm not no slave. I'm not no inferior type person. I'm, no, you know what I mean. Like you know. So this is a very I feel like a really important question. This is a question that I feel like as believers in Christ, it's something we have to continue to preach and engage and remind and talk about because you know growing up in church. I, you had the questions, but no one cared to engage. No one cared to answer the hard questions, you know, coming from my experience. It was always like either they didn't even care to even try to find out or it was just like a brush off type of thing, even when it came to other stuff. Because it's always saying like, oh, don't worry about it or don't do this, that, and the third without actually explaining history and things like that. So um, so I'll leave it up in the air. Who wants to jump at this first? Mm-hmm. As far as. I think something that's so beautiful is that we can find African descended peoples and black people in the Bible playing important roles, reflecting God's image, telling his story. And, and there are so many, even a, you know, a cursory glance you have, you know, in Genesis 10, you have the tribes, you have Hagar, you have Moses's wife, the queen of Sheba. Um, Song of Solomon, there's a passage that some translators will translate to, I am black and beautiful, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Black and be- black is beautiful is, is, in, is in the Bible. And this is one of the most Amen. pro-black texts of the ancient world at a time where so many of the documents that we have and so many of the writings that we have from this era were incredibly anti-black. And here we have the Bible, which is this beautiful story that continues to include Africa and people from Africa 
and, and the large role that that this group plays. I mean, even the, the person who carried Jesus's cross is is from Africa, Simon of Cyrene. And I think it's important to realize that um, these stories matter because they give us hope. Um, they give us the ability to see ourselves in the word. We don't have to um, superimpose or reflect something different. Um, we're, we're in there. You know, people get all excited about, um, not, not to knock uh, Meghan Markle, but people get excited about Meghan Markle as if she's the first Black royalty that has ever existed and and this is something that we've had from the beginning of of recorded history practically mm-hmm. so you know the bible affirms who who we've made, been made to be and how we've been designed amen amen yeah you know i, I love what uh sister lucia said because um it just reminds me of um just something I've seen on the Jew three website where it talks about uh, how black history starts in the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's dope because it's so true. Mm-hmm. Black history starts in the Bible. So to answer the question, do black people matter? Of course we matter. Right. Um, and we don't matter because black lives matter says we matter. Right. Um, and, and we're, we're thankful for the work that's been done there um, as far as uh, pointing out just how much Black people matter. But we matter because God says we matter. That's um, right. And, and that was from the very foundation. Um, when, when man and woman was created, um, God slapped his seal of approval <laughs> upon Black people in every single ethnic person. Um, you know, every single nation, tribe, and tongue, uh, they matter. So um, Black people are not excluded from that. And uh, just so thankful that not only we do matter, but that the Lord wants to use us in powerful ways uh, to bring change and transformation uh, to our nation. And I just pray that we'll continue to understand more of who we are so that we can display the Lord's wonderful works here on this earth. Mhm. I think that's a great point both of y'all bring up. Um, Lucy, especially in, in you know, brother Jai Hill, when you're talking about the root of it is actually in scripture. You know, the same Bible that people think is anti-black is more black than what people think. Because when you know, in Jude three, Esau actually put out you know the the articles and stuff like that what the slave Bible was and what they actually took it out. Like Exodus is pretty much naked. The whole tour was first of all, ain't no tour in the slave Bible. You about to get rid of the tour. You might as well get rid of the whole tour. They took it all out, right? So it's like when you first think about it, right? Because if you're saying the Bible is like this transatlantic slave pro super aggressive slavery type, then you gotta think to yourself, then why would they take stuff out? You know, if if it if it was as pro slavery, you don't have to remove anything. It would be you have to make no changes, nothing. You don't have to say anything. So why remove verses? You know what I'm saying? Why, why would you remove verses if that's the case? Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you need to think about, right? Then you got to think about it is how many people of color wrote the Bible? Um, I don't know all of them, right? All of them, people of color, majority of them being Jewish, wrote the actual Bible. Black people are actually mentioned. Nations of Africa are actually mentioned in Scripture. And, you know, we think about the Bible, right? Because remember, the Bible is a historical document. 
that's exactly what it is. It's not the Bible wasn't formed like we have it today. There were documents, historical documents that were later put together to help for us to read it, right? Just like with the translation to help us to read it. You know, things like that. So like sometimes we have to look at the root of everything. Like as much as possible we can. Like I because we get the American history part. I get the stuff that people say about it and things like that, but sometimes we have to do our own research and get rid of our own biases about certain things and do the work ourselves. Because even growing up in the church and things like that, I had tons of questions that I'm just not going to listen to a leader just because, especially when I wasn't even willing to answer it anyway. So guess what? You know, my dad always taught me, I don't just listen to people in the pulpit and just, that's my Bible. No, it's not. Like, I'm going to research and read stuff myself. That's how you don't become lost. That's not, That's how you don't become easily influenced. So when you start to actually look at the history, oh, think about this. Oh, white people weren't even Christians until like 300 years later. What about that? Rome weren't even Christians at that point. Oh, they were actually persecuted. The same people you said Christianity is the white man's religion. Oh, they actually were persecuting Christians way before that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, So it's like when you actually look at the history, Look at how the Bible was already in Africa way before Rome. You know, you start to look at it like, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, you start to come with realizations. And I think sometimes it's just the bias that people have. Because at the end of the day, the whole white man's religion thing, it's been around forever now. No matter how many times you debunk it, it's still a lot. Like, even no matter how many facts you put out there at times, people still going to run with the narrative because they have their own biases. And they're sitting right. all you know, that's clouding their judgment. But eventually, when you remove those biases and look at the history in front of your face, eventually you have to come into a grip that it's not the narrative that you want to support, that the Bible is not the white man's religion. And I get whitewashing Christianity. I suggest you to buy a book called by Jerome Gabe, Whitewashing Christianity. Great book. It explains all of that. And guess what? Any real any black Christian or any real Christian period I'm not going to say black because there's a lot of white Christians that will literally tell you this as well or Puerto Rican whoever they will tell you the same thing they will agree with you it is whitewashed yes absolutely heck yeah that's why we're on here doing the groundwork to unwhitewash what it is because at the end of the day we're made in the image of God the Imago Day. every last one of us it don't matter what we all look at we're all made in the image of God we all have characteristics that come from God even if you don't choose to believe in Jesus, you're still made in the image of God, whether you like it or not. You can you can right. say you're an atheist and say you don't, but guess what? You're still made in the image of God, whether you like it or not. And you have dignity and you have worth. And you know, Lucy even brought up the certain Bible verses that they even try to use against black people, like the curse of Ham. Even though if you actually read it, which I'm doing my exegesis paper on that, actually if you read it, Ham wasn't even cursed. God didn't even do it. It was Noah who did, and it was his son who was. It wasn't even Ham. And that was only one person out of all the other places in Africa. When you actually read it, you're like, oh. Or the Songs of Solomon first, you know, where people try to say, you know, but love, you know, I'm black, but lovely. You know what I mean? Even though it's a vibe, and really most of the time vibe is used as a conjunction to say and. But even if you say but, it's still described because at the end of the day, when you think about the woman in Songs of Solomon, right, and even back then, because of how the culture was for women even back then, where, and even now, like, appearance matters. Like, women and people, they struggle with appearance. And in verse 6, she says the reason why she got dark was because they made her go out into the, the, the binder and work, right? Where women wasn't even supposed to do that, so she got darkened by the rays. But even despite of me being dark, guess what? I'm still lovely regardless. I'm still beautiful. 
calmly, you know, in the Greek and the Hebrew, it means beautiful. So even though I've been out here and I got a dog, guess what? I'm still beautiful. So what? And then her husband still reaffirmed her because of that. Why, why is that significant? Because they could have left that part out. Did that really matter? Not really. Like they could honestly, the writer, the writer could have left that part out. But why did they include that? Maybe because the format is just like this. It's going to matter later on about blackness and things like that. Because not everything was super, super racial like it is today. Because really, the Europeans created the whole race thing, like Lucia said earlier. But like I said, because of her working in the field and her getting darker, culturally, women weren't supposed to do that. They weren't supposed to be out there. So they're showing like, oh, you're not ugh. like you've been out there working and stuff like this. You got I can tell. But she said, despite of me being out here, guess what? I'm still beautiful, even though my skin has gotten darker. And guess what? And her husband still reaffirmed her beauty. So all through scripture, you see blackness. You see, you see blackness, period. Like, isn't you know? And I think I think the main issue with it is, is like people sometimes don't want to do the actual research and want to read the truth. They rather just agree with the biases, they rather agree with the memes. And then I think also the hard part is to remove those biases at times. Because I mean, we all have it when it comes to certain things, everybody do, even when it comes to white people or certain people that think that racism wasn't a big deal. Who's shouting out your boy? Talking about how you know how great he was, which he did do good work, but even though he owned slaves. That's a bias. That's that sin there. That's that bias that they don't want to remove. Same when it comes to black people when it comes to this. Right? Because we all have our biases, and even ourselves sometimes we need to look in a mirror and check and see if we have that that bias, that sin there. Because once we're able to decloud our judgment, remove those biases, then that's when change actually happens. So, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, man, I don't want you know, to take up too much time because, you know, I know we, and you know, the funny part is we was like, yeah, we're going to talk you know, because remember, you was like, I was like, we're gonna talk for 30 minutes. I thought I was like, we're not talking for 30 minutes. No. We're not talking for, especially with a topic like this, as intelligent as we all, like, there's, no, there's no way we're talking for, and especially for this type of topic, 30 minutes ain't, people need more than 30 minutes um, for this yeah. type of topics and stuff like that. So, right. well, so I guess, if anybody ever says, that they don't see color, right? Can't. Make, make sure you help them to understand that God sees color. Sure does. Uh, so much so that in the book of Revelation, right, when John has a vision, he ends up saying that he saw people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. He was able to make the distinction of different people, um, different uh people who were different colors, right? And God values that. Like we display God's image um, by being black, right? Or Hispanic or Asian or white, right? Um, there's a beauty in the way that God has uniquely created us and that reflects God's glory. So if anybody ever says, I don't see color, you make sure you tell them that um, God sees color and he sees color as beautiful. And that Amen. includes black people. That includes black people. So, um, yeah. So just so thankful just for this time to be with y'all. Um, I pray that this will be a, a helpful podcast for somebody and that it will encourage them um, in their understanding that, it, that black is beautiful. Um, every person that has been created in the image of God is beautiful. And that's our hope that people will walk away with that understanding. Yep. 
And I just pray that also that, because granted, at the end of the day, even for people who watch it who are not believers and things like that, this video ain't supposed to be like a, a, a full video to convince you so you can pretty much, even though we would love that, please, please come to Jesus. We would love that, actually. But, <laughs> but, but realistically, we know it's not going to happen. But, you know, I would just ask that you be real with yourself when it comes to, because the information is out there. There's tons of information, books. There's so much stuff out there that actually tells you the truth about the Bible, about Christianity, about the, 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 the roots and everything like that. So I know it's easy to fall trap of the biases, to fall traps of Christianity was invented in, 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 um, um, in um, 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 the Council of Nicaea stuff and Christianity, white man's religion stuff, or or it's a copycat of, of, of Horace and Kemet and all that different stuff. Like, like we all we know all the claims, right? And it sounds good. People can talk good. People can articulate, articulate things good. It, it almost can sound convincing. But I want to encourage us to make sure we're being studiers, researchers, right? Especially us as black people. Because they people they try to discredit us acting like we can't be intellectual and we're not researched and we don't read what no, like let's actually research, let's actually look at historical documents, let's not just meme hustle, right? Let's not just listen to people uh, just talking and things like that, but let's be encouraged to actually research, to read, to actually want to learn, to actually check things for what they are, not just agreeing with a narrative because we might think you know we have a bias towards it, but actually. Challenge yourself with the truth. You might be surprised, but then again, you might be scared to do that too. So I'm gonna challenge. So I'm gonna just encourage you just to take a leap of faith. See what happens. You know, see what. My happens. prayer, my prayer for everyone who's listening to this is that you see yourself the way that God sees you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Jahil talking about Revelation seven nine that you know, there's so many conjectures and ideas that people have about about heaven and what we can look forward to. And I find it so amazing that one of the only pictures that we get is every language being spoken. Amen. Sometimes Amen. I wonder what language my ancestors spoke and I, I don't Amen. know, but I know that I'm going to get to hear it in heaven. I'm going to get to hear lost indigenous American languages. I'm going to get to hear Aboriginal languages. I'm going to get to hear Mandarin and Cantonese and so many in English and French and, yeah. and all of those different languages where you know my ethnicity and my that history that culture is eternal in a way that the Bible doesn't even say that my gender is eternal mm-hmm. and when we look at um, the most important verse I think you can ever read Genesis 1 God created us in his image yep. So the color of your skin, the texture of your hair, the width of your nose, the shape of your eyes and your lips and your height and all of those things God created so that you would look like him. And those things reflect something, say something about God and echo something about God. So I just encourage all of you to remember that whenever someone tries to say that you don't matter, that you're not worthy, that everything about how God made you is a reflection of him. Amen. Amen. And also Amen. to answer the, the podcast question, yes, the Bible's for black people. It is. It's for everyone. <laughs> for black, white, 
orange, green, That's right. yellow. If you're from Africa, if you're from Germany, it doesn't. It's for everyone who's willing to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Okay, it's for everyone. All right, not just for any one color or race or creed. It's for everybody. You know, just just, just just in case you ain't figure out ain't figure out what our what our what our standpoint is. You know, just had to, <laughs> just had to lay that. <laughs> just had to lay that out there, but uh, I just wanted to thank my brother and my sister, John Hill and Lucia, for this uh, this dope episode. And please comment. I don't care what your opinion is, but the comment let's engage. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the whole point. You know what I mean? Let's comment. Let's engage. Be honest. You know what I mean? Like let's talk. Things like that. Um, because that's the whole point too is to have conversation, not just us. You know, explain our case and argument. But I want to hear what you you know what you have to say because I think that's important that we have that. That conversation piece towards that. Um, so, but no doubt. Yeah. So, I appreciate y'all for listening. If you've been listening this long and things like that, stay blessed. Peace out. Yeah. Much love, y'all.